The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. guys welcome to the untamed and unashamed podcast this is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability compassion and openness that we can muster along with the help of guests from all walks of life we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts i'm jade bryce and i'm so happy that you're here Our guest today helps people reconnect to themselves, each other, and Mother Earth in a heart-centered path. He supports the regeneration of the masculine with the intention to reunite the global brotherhood. He specializes in sacred sexuality, conscious intimacy, permaculture, and is an ecstatic chef and regenerative farmer. By weaving these elements together, he facilitates the process of living in harmonious relationship with ourselves, and he embraces life with gratitude for every day because of the gift of this opportunity to live life now. He's truly bridging men's work and earth care. Please help me welcome Devin Fredrickson to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Hey, Jay. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's been, I know it's been a long time coming. We've been discussing this for a while. Um, before I even started this podcast and I was doing another podcast, we'd been discussing it. So I'm really glad that it worked out to where you're on this one, my new, my new baby. So, so glad to have you here. Um, I know you have quite a story of how you were led to men's work and how you were, um, you know, just shaped into the man you are today. So I'd love for you to share some of that with us. Yeah, that's oh, so really to to not go into everything. It started when I was in college. I went to school for environmental resources engineering in Northern California in the beautiful redwoods at Humboldt State University, and I I was in quotations a good boy up until that point. I had not experimented with any drugs or anything along those lines, and I went through a heartbreak and started trying mushrooms, I started smoking cannabis, I started trying MDMA, I smoked DMT, I did acid, I was like really exploring the realms of consciousness and I didn't understand that there was so much hurt inside. And I had an accidental experimental drug overdose. I took mm-hmm. 2.1 grams of MDMA and yeah, 2.1. 
which is mm -hmm. like normally you do 0.1. Yeah, I know I usually take 100 milligrams, I think it is. That would be 0.1 grams. Okay, wow. Yeah. So I, I had a full-on near-death experience. I left my body, I went out, I then eventually came to and was like, oh wait, I was at this party, what happened, all these things. I eventually found my way back, had to find my body, choose to come back into my body. Wow. And then after a long time, I finally was able to breathe again. And when I took that, like a, a bit of a shamanic death as well. Oh yeah. It was, it was extremely intense. And right as I took my first breath, literally it felt like my lungs were cracking open for the first time and I was taking mm -hmm. my first breath and I just wow. tears started flooding out of my eyes. And I realized that I've been living my life without the appreciation without the gratitude for being alive. Mm. And I called my mom right away and was like, mom, you don't have to worry anymore. I know why you were worried about me as a young man. Now that's done. I'm here taking full responsibility and becoming sovereign. And that shifted my whole world. I wanted to drop out of college. I wanted to do all these things. And then that brought me to permaculture. And I, I ended up finishing my degree, but I just, I crafted everything to permaculture because I was like, okay, I need to be the best community member that I can be wherever I go in the world. Whether that's knowing how to interact with politicians and be in the academia corporate side of the world, whether that's know how to grow my food, know how to hunt, know how to build, know how to find water, know how to do all of these pieces. And then I also realized that emotional resilience and energetic coherence was a big piece of this picture as well, because I was, I was tapping into the stream of the doomsday preppers and everyone, we were leading up to 2012 and everyone was like, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. Hmm. Like, well, if the world comes to an end and we have a whole zombie apocalypse, I have to know how to fast and I have to know how to handle these emotions that come up when there's extreme intense situations. I feel like everyone's doing that right now too. I, so I started this back in 2009, and it's been a journey to, to go along all these realms. So going down the path of permaculture really got me exposed and reconnected back to the earth. Being from Maui, I always have had an intrinsic connection to nature, to the earth, to the ocean, to wildlife. And just the experiences up in Humboldt with the redwoods and just very magical, mystic experiences being out in the forests being by the ocean where the redwoods are meeting the ocean. Mm. It just brought me back to the absolute importance that the ecology is, is the core principle. Is when we care for the earth, when we care for the ecology, when we care for the feminine, we are supported and provided for. And so that, mm. that going down the line, that got me exposed to many beautiful men who helped me in a sense introduce men's work to my world and introduce books and I started hosting men's circles because I was seeing women who were hosting women's circles. I was like, well, men need this. And so I started hosting yeah. men's circles in 2011 when I was 20. I love that you took that invitation from women. Yeah. yeah. And so it just, it's just catapulted itself along the way. And then I got involved with Sacred Sons and I've that done. so good. I've done youth rites of passage and taking yeah. little boys, young, not little, but young boys and young men out into nature and helping them do rites of passage and vision quests. And mm -hmm. it's been a lot to get here. Businesses that I've started, friendships, a lot of pieces, but that was, that was kind of like the, the antithesis of what started everything. Yeah.
Yeah. yeah, I love Sacred Sons and Vision Quest. Um, hmm, there's so much to pull on there. Um, first, I know most people do know, but just in case for those listening who don't know what permaculture is, maybe you can say what that is, and then uh, we'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. So permaculture ultimately is a design system. It came from the two words of permanent agriculture, and then from that you get a permanent culture. And so it's a design system that is cultivating and building sustainable, regenerative human habitats that mimic the resiliency of nature. Mm -hmm. So we're redesigning ourselves back into the earth. It's not just about food. It's about food, water, power, and energy, and community dynamics, and the invisible structures like our emotions and governance and agreements and all of these pieces. So. Beautiful. And um, I love that you said that, you know, when we take care of nature, we're, we're fully taken care of as well. We're supported. And I totally, uh, that resonates so deeply. And I've, I've heard you talk about, you know, your connection to trees and I've, my whole life, I've always like given trees names mm. and I could feel like if they were female or male and um, I could like, I would cry if I, if I, um, stared at them too long. And then, uh, I came into a beautiful friendship with Tom Shadiak at 25. And he was the first person in my life that ever would, he was the first person I experienced that would also like say, Oh, stop, look at that tree. Because like before I would always do that and then people were like, okay, it's a tree. But like Tom and I would just stand there and we would just stare at the tree. And um, mm-hmm. it was so beautiful to finally find someone that that had that type of um, awe, you know, mm-hmm. for, for trees. And um, not to say that that's not common because I know a lot of people now that, that do. It's just that I hadn't surrounded myself with them yet. But uh, this weekend I was on, um, I did a wonderful, beautiful, deep uh ceremony with my my um women's group mm-hmm. and uh we went to a getaway house and mm-hmm. you know it's surrounded by trees and on the mushrooms I could see like even more how they look like our lungs or or mm-hmm. how they look like parts of our body but the DNA of them it was like they were turn I could see their DNA but they were also turning into like ecoros okay. and it's interesting because I couldn't I couldn't look for too long like mm. it was too much. It was too much. Like it, it almost felt like I was going to get sucked into it and, and in a beautiful way, but it was too overwhelming. So yes. I had to keep looking away. I couldn't look for too long. And I just, um, it was interesting also dependent on where my mindset was, what the energy of the trees was, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like what I was putting out there is what I was receiving back. So, um, yeah. So thank you for sharing your story. Um, and I, I, I know a part of your story, or I'm sure all of your story really shaped, especially that heartbreak in college, really shaped how you are in partnership now. Yeah. And I'd love to talk about, I know, I don't know if it's your current partnership, but I know that there was a partnership where you chose to not engage sexually for the first two months yeah. with your partner. So I'd love to hear you talk about why and, and what that journey was like and, and what it brought up for you. Mm. Yeah, this is where condensing the story is helpful for time and then I appreciate you asking this question because this is a whole other part of the story that is really impactful so when I was in that time after the near-death experience I got exposed to Montak Chia and started studying with him and learned about the Taoist sexual arts and semen retention and circulation and 
multi-orgasms and being able to separate ejaculation and orgasm. And because of that heartbreak, I went on a, like a year and a half of celibacy when I was 20. Hmm. And I really got to see the ways that I was in a relationship. And I got to see the jealousy and I got to see the controlling pieces and I got to see the anger. And I was like, if I actually want a partnership and a beautiful relation and a connection with a woman, these pieces, I have to learn how to connect with them and, and welcome those, those hurt pieces back in. Mm, and that so, makes me cry that this, you were doing this at 20. That makes me want to cry just, the, just at that part. Yeah, I'm really grateful because my one of my mentors, uh, Patrick Kerstad, he exposed this to me because I started, I started meditating and I started to hear people's thoughts and I started to see the future, for lack of better words. I would see what would happen, not like the collective, but just different actions. And I started getting really freaked out. And he was like, I think you need to learn about this. And that, that introduced me to it. And it made so much sense, even though as a 20-year-old who has dealt with such a journey of pornography and all these things, like, wait, what? But, like, my soul, my body knew this is, there's something very deep and ancient and real about this. And so, fast forward as time has gone on, I just realized, especially through studying the sexual, the, just the sacred sexuality, I understood the importance of, if I'm going to engage sexually with someone, I want to ensure that I really want to connect with that person. And so, from that point forward, I have always had a time to get really get to know someone, really choose whether it's been four months, whether it's been six months, whether it's been two months. There's always been times where I have chosen to create, to be the masculine, to lead and say, hey, I really am into you. I, I really am attracted to you. I, I want to explore and connect with you. And I'm going to hold off before we connect to the sexual realms because I want to cherish your heart because you're the feminine. You're such a beautiful gift. And just to have your presence in my life is something that as the men, we need to remember to revere. So I want to care for that first before, in a sense, entering that sacred space. I'm, like I said, in awe that you were at that place at 20 because that's, I can remember how men treated me at that age, you know? Um, and And how... And I just love that you paved the way for that. Um, and I love that, you know, I remember my brother at 15 years old and how he was treating women. Mm -hmm. And so I gave him my journal from when I was 15 so that he could see what that felt like Ooh. for a woman. Yeah, I'm 10 years older than him. So luckily <laughs> I was able to be in that headspace, head but instead of, you know, uh, attacking him with anger. Yeah. But um also, I, I've never experienced a man um, respecting my yoni and my pleasure and my sacred sexuality in that way, ever. Mm -hmm. And so I can't imagine how healing that was for whatever partners you offered that to. And so I just want to honor you in that. And, um, you know, that, that healing is huge. It's, it's huge. And I'm sure it rippled from there. And, and not only that, the partners that they chose after you, I'm sure that, you know, that made a huge difference in that as well. So, because they were able to experience that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, 
about that as well, I've heard you say that, and you're the only man that I've heard say this. I've heard lots of women say this, especially women in the um, tantric community, but I've heard you say that sex starts 48 hours before it happens. Yeah. And I've always felt that way, uh, at least, at least 24 hours. Like mm-hmm. it's the moment you walk through the door at the very least. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'd love for you to go into that some. It's, it's with the awareness that everything's connected. And I, I feel that one thing, at least the collective has forgotten about is courtship and rather than forcing, which I, I, I think a lot happens, whether it's the male embodied humans or female embodied humans, like there's a lot of forcing that has gone on. And the reason why 48 hours or 24 hours is influenced in that time, because everything at its core is energy. And so if I am lovingly tender and romantic and courting my partner, she feels that and she starts to open. And just like nature, since we're referring to nature, flowers don't just pop open. They take time. They, they literally, like with the sun, the feminine and the masculine, the, the flowers literally, like hibiscus flower, closes in the dark and opens when the sunlight comes. Yeah. So if I'm just being cold and I'm not shining my light and I'm not shining my presence and my love, my partner, she's going to be closed off. She's not going to want to open. And the yoni, a lot of times, is referred to as a flower as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if that flower isn't opening, then, okay, well, what? Why, why is that the case? Oh, wow, two days ago, maybe I was short or I was bitter and I wasn't doing this. And it's like, I've had enough situations to see that because I have accepted the fact that at least I believe we're all extremely sexual beings especially because we come from sex and sexual meaning creative and also in like the physical primal sense, sexual. And rather than hiding that and shunning it, embracing it, I have had many experiences to see, wow, when I am really loving and tender and caring and respecting, and like you said, revering and honoring, for the most part, there, there isn't a closed door. But if I'm not open and I'm not sharing what's going on and I'm not withholding, then, then that is open. But if I do the opposite of all of that, then it's, I, it's very obvious that it's closed, whether it's with my partner, whether it's with my business partner, whether it's with friends, whether it's with myself and nature. Like if I go out into nature and I'm closed off, the animals, the plants, like I have a very deep connection with them just like you. So when I'm out there, it's very interactive, but if I'm closed off, like they want to run away. And Mm -hmm. so the, the whole point of like the 48 hours is just to recognize that we're we're always in connection and what we're giving is what we get back. Just like you were talking about with the mushroom journey, like Mm -hmm. if you're in a certain mindset, it's like, whoa. And in another sense, it's still the whoa. The fascination is there, whether it's intensely challenging to see or beautiful to see that intensity is still there so how do I navigate that how do I and ultimately I think the way it is is it's stewarding it's learning how to steward the energy and 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 just honor honor the beauty that is in another individual yeah yeah I know that um 
my yoni doesn't feel open, even in my pleasure practice of my own, you know, just on my own, mm-hmm. um, unless my heart is open, of course. And, and even unless my, my throat is open, like it's so connected. Um, so, however, and I, I didn't used to respect my yoni in a way of, um, not giving it to a man if it was closed, it, I would just force myself through it. And, um, most of the partners I've had would not have been sensitive to that. Mm. They were, you know, they were just, you know, wanting to have sex. And so, you know, even for those listening who may not feel like their woman is saying no with her mouth, um, if her yoni is saying no and she's not able to hear that or she feels like she just needs to do it for you, the sex is so so different compared yeah. to if you can really open her heart and allow her to also have an open throat um, so that she can have an open yoni. It's a completely different sexual experience. <laughs> so um, it connects to something else that you've said about how the way you have sex is the way you live life. And the way you live life is the way you have sex. And I truly feel that our sexuality is connected to everything. And that most of the roots of trauma and pain are rooted in our sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so if we can heal our sexuality, our whole life changes, our life, our, our relationships with our money, our relationships with our children, our relationships, obviously with our partners, but with our business, like it's all rooted in our sexuality. And it sounds like to someone who's hearing that for the first time, it sounds so odd that our sexuality can control that much or can be connected to that much. Yeah. But I did I mean, my entire, I'm a completely different woman, like a completely different woman mm-hmm. once I embarked on my sexual healing journey. And mm-hmm. I've been in the healing, um, I've been on the healing path. I mean, we always really are, but intentionally I've yeah. been on the healing path for about 10 years, mm-hmm. but it was when I really skyrocketed and, and my life changed was when I stepped into sexual healing. Yeah. And so, and, and, I think a lot of times too, people think that they only need sexual healing if they've had sexual trauma, um, which I had a lot of, but it's not just that. Um, And also, especially for men, a lot of men don't remember if they've had sexual trauma. For some reason, men, uh, women tend to be able to recall it, but I've uh, I've had a lot of men say, I don't know, I'm not sure if they've had sexual trauma. And, you know, we hear a lot about one in three women have had sexual abuse or sexual assault. We never hear about the the men's statistic, but I remember, I think it was um, Connor Beaton. Is it one in six? One in five. No, one in five. Yeah, I remember Connor Beaton saying that um, he thinks it may even be lower because he'll hold a men's circle where he'll say, raise your hand if you've had sexual abuse or trauma. And it's almost half raised their hand. So, um, you know, it's interesting that not all men remember. I think it's part of um, there's more shame to it because it's a different type of violation. Um, It's a violation to their masculinity. Um, But I'd love to go into, uh, you know, what you said about sex is the way you live life and the way you live life is sex and is, is the way you have sex. I'm sure that goes down to presence and intentionality and openness and all of that. But I'd love for you to, say your thoughts yeah well you you touched on so many great points already and and i love that you highlighted the fact that the healing journey 
if, in my opinion, if it's not including sexual healing, we're, we're missing pieces. Mm-hmm. And so, again, sexuality is creativity. Mm-hmm. So because it's connected to our root and our sacral chakras, when we speak, when we make food, when we play music, when we make love, when we engage in business, when we have children, when we, whatever it is, we're always creating. It's this act of creation that's always happen, happening. And so when it comes to sex, like you were talking about, if someone's forcing, if a man is not really tuning in and listening to the woman, to her body, there's, there's a forcing that's happening. And, and then how that relates to the collective is the masculine, whether it's men or just business or corporations or whatever, is forcing ourselves on the earth. Looking at the earth, just like men are like, oh, I want a piece of that ass. Corporations, businesses, governments, individuals are like, oh, I want a piece of that land. Rather than recognizing if we care for it, if we steward it, there's so much more that comes back in the regenerative reciprocity. And so it's, it's so connected. And, and like you said, when we heal our relationship with our sexuality, we heal our relationship with life. And, and I take it, I have um, one meme that I post on my page that says, when men heal their relationship with sexuality, they heal their relationship with the feminine within them, the women around them and the earth. Mm. And so for me, when we can really tune in to how we make love or when people, if people want to think about it, having sex, most people are getting educated from pornography. Mm-hmm. And there is not, in a sense, a connection between the two individuals. There is a scene that's being depicted to attempt to get the dopamine hits off people to keep on coming back. It's like, uh, I heard once, it's like watching Fast and the Furious to learn how to drive. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so... There are certain individuals who are like, well, what about if I want to be super primal? We can be super primal. We can have very intense, passionate encounters and experiences and lovemaking. It's not to say that we can't be like that, but if that's what our baseline is, and we're just like, I'm just going to get right in. I'm not going to connect. I'm not going to ensure that the heart's open. I'm not going to ensure that we both feel safe. And this person's doing it just to be coerced into it or maybe get some Wow, there's a huge toucan right outside the window. Oh. It's yellow, red, and orange, as we're talking about the lower chakras. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, when we can really tune back into that level of presence, am I trying to perform? Am I trying to do this? Am I up in my mind? Or am I actually connecting? Am I, am I leading? And a deep, deep aspect of leadership is listening. Mm-hmm. Because if I think that I know how to lead and I'm not listening to anyone and everyone's like, that is not what we want, and I still go ahead, I'm denying what, what's actually being reflected to me. So when I'm making love, if I'm not listening and feeling my partner, mm-hmm. and, and I can, because it's very obvious, I can tell if there's something that happens. I've had many experiences in the past as well, like, when the energy gets closed and constricted and there's something happening, it's very aware. It's very apparent. So if I don't listen to that and just keep going because I'm overriding that and I'm like, well, I just want to get off. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, again, I'm not providing that safety. I'm not providing the space for the flower to actually blossom, for the woman to actually open her yoni, to open her heart, 
And if, if men were taught that, we would know how much of a gift that is. We would know how precious that is. And truly, that is the abundance that, that in my opinion, we're here to steward, we're here to cherish and revere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that aren't, um, you know, constantly reminded, because it's it's, it is an easy thing to forget in the day-to-day life that sexuality is completely linked to our creativity. Unless you're an artist, unless you're someone who is, your work is to be creative, it's yes. easy to forget that, that mm-hmm. they're linked. Um, and I have a big intention to write my book this year and a lot of other things that involve creativity and also just being creative in love, you know, just so much, bringing in a lot of creativity this year. Mm-hmm. And at this weekend ceremony, I pulled the Saraswati card, mm-hmm. um, you know, the goddess of creativity and, and yeah. of knowledge and, um, you know, it was beautiful, but then later, about halfway through the ceremony, probably uh, around the peak, um, I had gone back, we were outside by the fire, and I had gone back to the altar to look at the card, the Saraswati card, and I was looking at her, and she was holding the lotus flower, which also closes and opens, <laughs> and, um, and I was looking at her, and I asked her to bless me with creativity and with knowledge, and she said back to me, um, keep if you if you want to be in a creative space keep your pussy wet basically mm-hmm. and i just felt myself like dripping and mm-hmm. it was I, I i can't even really put it into words what the experience was like it was this huge opening of my yoni and and of this wetness and and it was it sounded so simple like just keep yourself wet you know, that's um, not only keeping yourself turned on in life, but having this pleasure practice of self-care. Yeah. And from that, from all those things, from from that place is where creativity will flow. She basically said, that is where you will write your book from, from being yeah. wet. And so it's a beautiful homework assignment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So there was that. And then I also thought about um, the part about... Um, well, just the the saying itself that how we have sex is how we live life. That is like for sure, for sure true. But the other side of it, how we live life is how we have um, sex. Like for me, that part is what really hit me because the way I live life is every single day I'm in contact with source. Every single day I'm, I'm going in. And I'm, I'm in full uh, emotion. I don't allow for emotional constipation. Mm-hmm. I feel everything. And every single day, it sounds exhausting, but it's every single, for some maybe, but every single day I'm doing the work and I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in healing and mm-hmm. I'm stepping more and more into my light body every single day. And so if that's how I live, it's impossible for me to not want that in my sex, yeah. which can be really hard for, for some partners. Um, and it's, I'm not saying that I'm opposed to the quickie, you know, or opposed to the, the lamps falling and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to that at all, but I need that that's in my daily life. I need that in my sex and I refuse to go to my grave without it. 
you know, um, but it's, it's, you have to have a partner that is also doing the deep inner work because they can only meet you as deep as they've met themselves, mm-hmm. uh, you know? And so, um, that part was the one that really hit me. Cause it was like, Oh, that's why I can't have sex without this because yeah. that's my life. Exactly. Like, why would I think that that would be any less sacred? You know, um, I'd love to hear about the main challenge for conscious men when it comes to sexuality. Uh, I think, yeah, I'll just let you go. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to tie this response into what you said as well. Men come to me wanting to learn the master, like the secrets or how to master their sexual energy mm-hmm. in the bedroom, make love to their partners, all these things. And I highlight that piece. Well, stop focusing on sex. Hmm. Look at your whole life. Are you rushing? Are you agitated? Because when you go and you are at the store or if you're doing something else and you freak out at another woman, she's connected to your partner. Yeah. So do you still have issues with your mom? Because if you are not able to really sit there and just love your mom for who she is, then that's also going to affect your partner. Like where in your life are you not bringing your full awareness to because that's just going to affect sex. And so I really tell men, I'm like, take your focus off of sex. You're putting way too much pressure on sex. You're expecting it to be something. You're forcing it to be something. Clean up every other area and it will naturally just spill over into that. It will just overflow into that realm. Because if you start bringing presence and awareness to every day, then when you engage in sex, it's going to do that as well. So that's the first piece. And then the next piece is <clears throat> I think that the feminine is largely misunderstood, mm-hmm. with, and especially within men. Mm-hmm. Because a lot, you're talking about like men having their pride and thinking that it's affecting their masculinity. I think that most men are trying to prove their strength. But there's nothing to prove. We do not have a uterus. Mm-hmm. We do not carry life and build life in our body and birth it into this world. We're here to care for that. Just like we're here to care for the feminine and ensure that she's safe and that baby comes in and lives, we're here to do the same with the earth. And so when men can recognize that we're not here to prove our power, like you're talking about, the quickie, when the lamps are not being knocked over, the primal, like, very intense situations, that happens especially from my experience, when the feminine trusts masculine. Oh, yeah. So. Otherwise, it feels violating. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you're like, what are you doing to me? But when when that love and that connection is there, that's, it. from my experience, that's when the, the feminine, the infinite feminine opens up and is like, please give yeah. it to me. I surrender for you. Yeah. And I think how that really happens as well is when a woman feels fully accepted for her entire being, not just for her body and what can come out of her body, but for who she is at her essence, then she can truly unleash her animal. And that's when that type of sex can really happen. But so many of us are missing out on it because so many women don't feel accepted for their entire being. Full, the full, full spectrum. Mm -hmm. Because like what your body can do, carrying life, like the essence of that, like without the feminine, there is not life. 
Like there would we what would we as men do? Like we would literally sit around and be like, all right, well you're dying off, you're dying off. None of us here can literally bring life. So like the the, the I think the respect and the acknowledgement again of the feminine is so drastically disregarded for the most part. There I know a lot of men out there who who honor and love the feminine and just in general the collective is not in that space. And taking it even further, I don't think that men actually really know how to sit with that immensity. When you're talking about when the feminine comes out and is wild and is like a storm in the chaos, whether that's in pleasure or emotion of intensity, being able to actually sit and have the stamina to to move through all of that. Mm-hmm. Most men get caught up and just go away and they're like, oh my God, and uh, yeah, oh my God, then it just spilled out rather than being able to be with all of that and being able to be with the intensity of the emotions, of the sadness, of the hurt, of the disrespect, of the abuse, whatever that may be. And then on the other side, the intensity of the pleasure, of the bliss, of the orgasm, like it's all on the same spectrum. So being able to actually be present and provide the space where that's welcome, where that's safe, where that's accepted, like you said, I think that's one of the biggest pieces that when men can learn how to do that, they will be showered with abundance. Yeah. And I love that you said that when you do something to one woman, you do it to all women. Um, I, uh, one of my best friends and in, in my sister circle and my women's group, uh, we were at an Aya ceremony and without us, you know, we're in, we're on Aya, so we're not discussing it with each other, but we both knew there was this just knowing that we were purging toxic masculinity and um, the trauma that had been done, but we were, I mean, it sounded like the purging that was happening sounded like too much for one body, but it's because we were purging it for all women. And, and so it's also beautiful that when one woman heals, we're healing for all women. And then, you know, I I had come home from it, from, um, this last weekend's the mushroom ceremony. And I, I had, um, felt my being and, and, and my heart, um, being denied and unaccepted by a masculine and uh, in my life. And it's interesting. Normally I would like hiss with the fierceness of Kali and instead maybe I was still in the mushrooms, but instead I broke and wept like harder than I've wept. And I can't even remember. And I felt myself, I felt like the patriarchal and the collective conditioning of fearing a woman's power and not trusting her intuition. And um, the whole, you know, it started with the Adam and Eve, the, the woman's going to seduce you into, um, into sin or into knowledge or whatever it is, this, this false story that we even began with. I felt all of that in my being and I was just weeping and I could feel that I was weeping for all women, not just for me, even though it was so painful for me. Um, So I I love that you brought that up. And I want to encourage men and women also that when we heal, we heal for, for all, not just for us. Um, It connects also to, um, you've posted that to ravish and devour the feminine, you must first meet the darkest, deepest desires within yourself. So I'd love for you to break that down, but I'd also love to hear um, 
you know, in my experience, um, some of my partners have been afraid to dive into not necessarily the depths, but the dark or the depths because it might be dark. And I even had a partner once like tell me that all the work that I do, he was like afraid I was going to be like Darth Vader, you know, like, and of course I'm not because I'm coming from my heart, but like, there's this fear of the darkness will, it's the darkness is evil or the darkness can overcome me or overpower me or this fear of, well, that's where my power is. And then I can, it can be corruptive, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's all, there's all these these stories that we have. And so I'd love for you to break that down and, and speak into anything that you feel called to. Thank you. Yeah. The darkness is the mystery. The darkness is also fertility. The dark black soil of earth is where the seed lies. The seed and the child is, is conceived in the womb, in the darkness. And then we come to the light and in my opinion, there has been, again, it's, it's in the feminine also a lot of times is related to the darkness or the light because the sun, night and day, things like that. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's dark and light aspects to the masculine and the feminine because there's times in night where the moon is shining and it's bright where we can still see. And there's times during the day where it's cloudy and it's still light out. So there's aspects of both. And so a lot of men aren't really connected to their desires because there's been such a shame and it's such a taboo to even discuss unless men are talking about it at bars or in locker rooms, just like the, like the stereotypes in the sense of when men talk about sex and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so when men can actually really connect to what they desire, it helps them to no longer hold it and it doesn't make it so enticing because it, again it's it's in the dark it's a mystery so it's still there it's going to reveal itself we can't hide so it's going to come out it's going to want to come out and if we suppress the darkness if we suppress the mystery if we suppress the feminine the earth and things like that it still comes back that's such a good point whether you dive into the darkness it's still going to come it's for you it's still going to come for you no matter what and so when we go into it, again, like you said, that's where there's so much power. Yeah. And do you want to come out in these angry ways? Or do you want to go and face it and look it in the eyes and love it and accept it and embrace it so that it's, it doesn't actually, it can't, you know? Yeah. Because when we're not afraid of it anymore and we have faced it, then it's not something that I'm avoiding. I'm not trying to look at it. And then when I look at it, I don't, I'm shocked. I'm surprised. I don't know how to meet it. And so when we actually go into the desires, when we go into the darkness, when we know that that's where the power is connected to, we then can come back out. And so if I'm connected to mine, I can share them. I can express them to my partner. And she can also share hers with me. She can let me know what she wants. And, and I can meet her in that. And, and the other part of it is the dark masculine. Like, if, if I actually know what I desire, then I can pursue that. And so the difference between a boy and a man is the boy is the one who chases. He's chasing. And I, and I really like to refer to hunting because it's a very useful way. If I try and go hunting and I'm just chasing, hmm. I'm not going to actually go and get what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. 
And let's, let's use a tiger or a lion, for example. When they are going after their prey, they know exactly what they're going for. They are so focused and slow and deliberate and direct and precise. And so when they are going for that, that nothing distracts them. They just, they're going there. So that's the dark masculine who's pursuing and isn't chasing and is very clear and is like, I want you and I'm coming for you and I'm going to get you no matter what that takes. I'm not going to force it because if I force it, more likely than not, it's not going to actually be what it is. Mm-hmm. So it, again, it's, it's coming back to the concept of leadership. And I think it really has to do with listening because I have to slow down to listen. And if I, if I slow down, then I start to see the darkness. Kind of like what you're talking about where you're seeing the tree and seeing all the energy. And it's like, you see it and you're like, whoa, okay. I mean, oh, I'm going to go back and like see it. And then when we actually slow down, we can connect to the desires. We can connect to these pieces inside of ourselves. We can connect to times where we may have had traumatic experiences. And when we go into them and welcome them back home, they're no longer running the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, a lot of our culture, you know, identifies the darkness as evil. Mm-hmm. And of course, most people want to stay away from evil and want to avoid evil. So, um, yeah. So, uh, of course, that was just a way too, though, to keep us from our own power, to keep us from our own uh conquering our own darkness so that we could stand in that, you know. It's no secret that shame, free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being. And accessible, expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women-powered resource for game-changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials and smart design principles, and they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy, I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelled A-E-R. It's called AIR. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice you will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products, so I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code JADE today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. There was something you said that when I heard you say it, I like felt 
my whole being like breathe. Um, mm-hmm. You said uh, the chaos of a woman isn't a bad thing. So uh, I, I don't think I've, I've really heard it. I'm sure I've read stuff around that, but I've never really heard it just said point blank like that to where it was able to hit me because there's so much, a woman is chaos. Like we, we just in our cycle, there's chaos just in our cycle. Um, And so, but there's a lot of, uh, I feel like there's a lot of shame around that, around wishing that we were less chaos, wishing that we could just, be the flow like the flowy easy going but also we can't when we truly love a man we can't because yeah. part of that chaos is us seeing where you're not living up to your fullest potential and where you're you're not um awake and the chaos is what really what comes up in us to shake you awake and and to and but there's still been this um shameful feeling around it. So I would love to hear your, your thoughts around, around all of that. <laughs> there is, it just feels really heavy because there's so much of a collective story around this mm-hmm. where, Oh, she's on her period. Stay away from her. Watch mm-hmm. out. Like she's on her rag. Like all of the stories that, that are placed and just shoved onto women just don't support that liberation mm-hmm. to allow you to be the chaos. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes back to what people think of as darkness as evil and like chaos. Oh my God, chaos. Like, but actually we're in chaos and that's just, that's what life is. Mm-hmm. And so we're here to do our best to find order within the chaos or either way. And that's where, again, the beauty is because to me, my partner, she wants to feel me. So her chaos is like, hey, I, I see that you may not be fully aware right there. So are you willing to sit with all of that so I can feel safe with you? Mm-hmm. And so if I welcome that storm in and I learn how to navigate and move through that, then she'll feel my presence and I'll be with that. And I think a lot of times men see it as like, oh, the, the feminine's testing the masculine. All I, all I feel from reading a lot of the stuff with like David Data and a lot of these men out there, I think it's not so much a test because we think of that from like the school system of like, oh, this is a test. She really yearns to know that you're with her, like that, that I'm feeling all that's going on and I can sit with that and I don't run away and I don't hide and I don't collapse and I don't faint. But I'm like, oh, wow, okay, you're feeling this. Like, let me fill the space with my presence so you know that I'm with you. Mm. Your, your chaos is welcome, and that's okay to do that. And so the collective story, like my stepdad has done this, where he's like, oh, my God, your mom, you know, she's a woman. She's crazy. I'm like, no, no. She may be messy. She may be chaotic, but she's not crazy. Yeah, she's actually beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, like... To make, the, to make the chaos ugly or wrong, like mm-hmm. that is, in my opinion, the biggest load of shit because mm-hmm. it's not true. And again, it's, in my opinion, it's little boys who have not been initiated, who don't know how to sit with themselves, who don't know how to feel their own inner feminine. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of what's going on is in the world, the collective masculine has such a wounded inner feminine 
because they've been told to be strong, to suck it up, to not feel, to not cry, to just keep on pushing force, overturn everything that they don't know how to feel. And so they're so hurt inside that when they see the feminine, who is that mirror, who is, hey, where are you? And they're so scared to feel themselves, then they, and it's easier to just brush the responsibility off rather than having to go in and feel the intensity of what they've been through, of what they have not been feeling, the the backlog of all of their emotions of like 60, 70 years. And it's like, oh, wow, that's going to crack you open and probably take a lot to, to move through, which we can. And that's just not fair to the feminine. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it is largely um, part of not... Of, of their own wounded feminine, of not trusting their own feminine within. And that goes into how we can get, how us women can get men to trust our intuition and feelings, because that's been one of my biggest woundings is feeling like I have this um, gift of being an oracle for a man, mm-hmm. but instead being dismissed or not being trusted or, um, you know, I, I think also I've never I've never been with a man that fully uh, like understood what it like. I don't really like to use the word witch because it's so misunderstood or psychic. because It's so misunderstood. So I'll just say intuitive. But I've never really been with someone who fully understood what that means to mm-hmm. where they understand where it's coming from. And and. Uh, you know, there's part of it that like makes it hard for me to be able to hold space for a man uh, because there's this knowing that he doesn't trust my intuition or my insight. So like if, if, if I'm feeling that lack of trust, not only is it hard for me to trust his lead, but it's hard for me to just hold space because I'm not feeling like the gift I have to offer is even being accepted. So there's that part of it. And then also when it comes to holding space, um, there's this, this feeling that comes up in me that I'm still digging into of this avoidance because I don't want to feel like I'm in the mother role or being mommy um, or being the masculine. And so I'm still figuring that out because um, there is a part of me that like wants I don't want to like perpetuate the uh, like I've worked so hard on a quantum level to move into gratitude and joy and to not be in the victim mindset. So when a man is constantly like, Oh, this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. There's this part of me that's like, like move through it, like move through it. Like I, I would never do the like be a man like never that but there's this part of me that's like move through it like um step out of that victim mentality you know and 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 move into victor move into um creator and so there's this part of me that like it keeps me from holding space because i don't want to um encourage that mm-hmm. and create that dynamic of mommy and son but also um of uh like 
encouraging that victim mindset. So I'm still, I'm still figuring all this out. It's been a really hard journey for me, especially because of all of my partner's relationships with their moms, because of course that affects how they see and view us. Um, But there's the the two sides of that. It's it's not wanting to be in that role and then not feeling like my own intuition and feelings are trusted. So not feeling like I can adequately hold space. So I'd love to hear, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I also know that you've said that, you know, as the feminine, we have a very strong no BS barometer. Um, And I think that also creates a deeper fear of women. Um, because of course, uh, we have this nature to call you, call you on it, you know, but, um, yeah, I know I've said, I've said a lot. I know it was chaotic and messy, so I'll let you sift it and send it back. I'm I'm following with you all the way. (sighs) So there's, there's a lot of pieces to this one. You, what the feminine is doing is that you're calling us to rise. It's, it's not an attack on us. It's actually like you want the best for us. And so when we can recognize that that no BS barometer is actually helping us to be the best man that we can be, which down deep, I haven't met a man who wants to not be that. Every man that I've worked with, gathered with, been in a retreat with, in ceremony with, all of them want to be the best man that they can be. So the feminine is just calling that up. And the it requires a lot of surrender. And so this is where like the dance of polarity happens because for a man to trust the, the feminine and listen to her oracle and listen to her intuition, he has to surrender. He has to give up control. Which So that's like the, the distorted or immature masculine who's trying to control, who's tyrannical, who's like trying to do things because he's afraid rather than trusting that he's alive, he's safe. And this woman is, is bringing through a powerful, potent, abundant opportunity for him to grow, to receive guidance, whatever it may be. And so he has to surrender. So he has to be in his feminine to then be able to take the masculine lead and then lead. So again, leadership, I've been reflecting on this a lot, is actually not what we've been taught of just forcing it. Like, I have to figure it out. It's like, actually, no, we need to listen and tune in and and attune to what is aligned and meant to be. And so when it comes to the masculine and the feminine dynamic, like specifically what you're talking about, if, if you... If you trust him, right, if you're standing in that space with the no BS barometer and you're bringing your intuition through, the queen is going to just say, okay, cool, if I'm not being respected, if I'm not being cherished, you walk away. Because that's so much more powerful because that, if he's in his little boy, he's going to be like, oh, wow, she's gone. And I actually really do want her and I actually really do cherish her. So instead of playing out the patterns of the mom and the little boy dynamic, which we can attract each other because we we tend to attract these pieces and it's also the opportunity for growth. It's up to us how we want to navigate that. So when the woman trusts the man to move through these pieces, you don't give in to the victim role. You trust him like that he's, he's being vulnerable enough to share and talk about these things. Like 
ask him how he feels. Like, sure, let him let him say all those things. Just be like, all right, like you're being a little bitch. It's okay. Like we all have done that. We all have complained. We've all been in those places. I have done that a lot. And then what you get to do is because you get to use your open heart, like touch him and be like, sweetheart, how do you feel? Like what's going like what's going on underneath all of that? By being the masculine in that way, you trust him to like feel. And then if he's not doing it, just be like, okay, great. Like I'll I have other things to do. I'll come back to you when when you're able and capable to connect with me and when I feel safe and honored around you. And no no explanation, no just leave. And that's gonna he's gonna then have to sit with himself. He's gonna have to sit with wait, I actually really love this woman. I want her around. So I'm going to come back to my wits. I'm going to come back to my center and say, sweetheart, I'm sorry. Like, this is what's going on. And so this is where, like, the queen, she stands in her sovereignty and she trusts the king to go through his things. Sometimes she's, she doesn't, she most of the times doesn't need to be there for it. She, he needs to go through it himself. He needs to learn how to be his own mother of his little boy inside of his own kingdom, his inner kingdom within him. And when he can do that, then she can feel even more safe with him because he's not expecting her to do that. And so then she can bring her oracle, she can bring her intuition, and he's like, wow. And I, I have a direct experience of that with my partner where I was doing this regenerative community development project down here in Tulum. And she shared with me, she's like, hey, there's, there's some things that are going on within this project that aren't aligned for you. And like, these are not who you are. Like, I know who you are to your core and this is not aligned with you. And my deepest truth knew that that was true, but they're like, my ego was like, oh, well, maybe there's, there's still this and that. And then it ended up blowing up in my face. And I came back to her and I apologized. And from that moment, it was just like, thank you. And, and from this point forward, like I've, I've known about this concept, but that, that concreted it within my awareness, within my embodiment, where I was like, she knew, she sees me. She's, she continuously invites me into my highest. I don't have to. It's just that invitation. Like, hey, do you want to be up here with me? Or do you want to stay in that childish role? Do you want to stay down there? Yeah. And again, it, it takes a lot because the masculine has to let go of his pride, of his ego, and say, my beautiful partner who sees me, who really truly knows me because she sees me in all these realms. Wants the best for you. And wants the best for me. Like, let me actually listen to that. And then I have to use my own inner discernment and intuition and leadership to then follow through. So she can't do it for me. But if I truly receive that and I turn my feminine on to receive her and open my heart, then again, that invitation is there. And then she feels more received and then that reinforces the cycle of please bring your intuition forward please continue to express that and we get to talk about the, the lineage of healing the feminine and the masculine and then the, the sacred union of just life being able to exist and we really step into that power yeah yeah i love that and um i don't want to say that men don't are not intuitive in any way um but in my experience, what's happened is, um, you know, I have a deep, deep inner knowing on something. My intuition is just saying something. And when I share it with a man, his response has been more along the lines of like, well, my intuition says this. 
And so it's not just a distrust of my intuition. It feels like more of like, there's this war inside him of who's more intuitive or like, well, you can't say I don't have intuition and my intuition says, you know, it, it, it feels, and I don't, I don't know exactly what that is. Um, you took a breath and I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm just breathing because it's, it's the competition. It's the fear. It's the, the lack of self-worth that just because you say something and your intuition is very strong has nothing to do with denying. You're just sharing what's true inside of you. And again, it has to come back to listening. If I'm just in a constant state of guarding myself and you say, hey, here's my intuition, the nervous system is not actually relaxed. The nervous system is thinking that he's going to be attacked and he's having to defend himself on every single level rather than, again, like your intuition is a gift. Your presence to a man is a gift. And if he can't receive that, then it's actually better off for you to remove yourself so he can actually learn. Mm. The absence of the presence of the feminine is so beautiful to a man because then he gets to say, wow, I actually do want that around. Yeah. Beautiful. But there's such an internal war and there's even a larger, um, there's this book called The Battle of the Sexes mm-hmm. by the founders of Tamara in Portugal. Are you familiar with the book? The book, yeah. Yeah. So in that book, they're talking about it. And again, it has to, goes back a lot to sexuality because men who aren't showing up, whether it's in sex and they're not having the stamina to be able to be there so the feminine can open and she can have the deeper levels of orgasm, the G spot and the cervical orgasms. And like, that's one aspect of it. And then not listening to the woman and like, so she doesn't feel safe. And then she then lashes out at him because she's like, yo, I'm not feeling safe. I'm not sexually met, all these things. And so there's just been this cycle for a long time where, like I said, men are proving themselves. Like, why do I need to say, well, what about my intuition? Like, let me just actually receive. Let me listen to what you said. Because I can tell you, when my partner shares with me what she's going on, I listen to that, I feel it. I'm like, wow, that, that totally makes sense. I see that. And if I, if it doesn't, I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like I ask for further questions and I use curiosity to understand and connect rather than like, oh no, you're wrong. Yeah. 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 That's been my response a lot is like, oh, this came up for me and, and it, within seconds, no, that's not it. They're like, well, did you, you didn't take the time. Yeah. Um, and I think if you do this authentically, um, and are honest with yourself and those around you, I think something that makes a big difference is brotherhood. So maybe you can go into that. Um, I think that if, if a man has brothers that are holding him accountable and are also likely seeing the same things, because oftentimes what I've seen is that a man won't accept it from us, but we plant the seed and then they, they get the same message from a male mentor or from a brotherhood and that's how they end up trusting us later is they continually like do that cycle until they realize like, oh, and it's been frustrating for me because I'll say something. And then like three weeks, three months later, a partner will say, oh, I, a brother told me this and it's verbatim what I had said. But the thing that's hard for me is they don't even remember me saying it. And so mm-hmm. I feel so unseen and so unheard and it's so hurtful. But my hopes is that 
after it happens for a while, maybe, maybe it breaks that open, but I'd love to hear your, your, um, you know, your insight around brotherhood and, and just the difference it can make in a man's life and, and in the process of healing. The lack of brotherhood is causing a lot of issues at hand in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Men find so much camaraderie and brotherhood. That's why we have sports. That's why we have teams. That's why men go out to bars together and all these things because they deeply desire that connection. And it's a connection that women can't provide. Just like women and sisterhood. Like, there, you walk, at least for me, when I watch women together, it's oh so beautiful. It's, it's just like, it's so different than when a man's around. And so yeah. when we're in that space with our brothers, we, from my experience, get actually really intimate and close and playful. And we also get to talk about these realms where men can let their guard down. And it's a space where a lot of men can enter into the realms of feeling and returning to their whole embodiment where they welcome their masculine and their feminine in. Talk about this and they can see that they're not alone. And brotherhood really provides that space so that way all the pressure isn't on a woman. Because if the woman is doing everything in the relationship, if she is serving as the backdrop for him to express himself and he's not feeling safe in that and then he's expecting her to do that, She's expecting her to also be mommy and all of these things. Like there's so much pressure there that gets placed on the feminine, on the woman and, and vice versa. So we need our, our biological based structures. We need our brothers. We need our sisters to be in that space. So then when we come together, we're more relaxed. We feel supported. So that way I'm not coming to my partner and I'm sharing things that maybe don't need to be shared with her, but I can share with her the, the gist of it or like the gold that has come through my rage. And I don't come and rage through the whole apartment and she sees that and maybe gets a little afraid, but I'm able to let her know that I processed that and I went through that with my brothers. And then she sees, at least she's able to see my vulnerability of what I'm going through. And I think that another thing that happens is a lot of men are missing that challenge from the masculine where we're like hey bro that's out of integrity actually like the way that you're treating that woman is not nice you're part she's your partner like you're here to love her you're here to cherish her like it's a gift and privilege to actually have her in your life because she's choosing you she's opening herself to you and when we can do that as men we can call that other man in and help him remember that so that way he goes home with that love with that appreciation for her and another piece as well is talking about the challenge. Men are missing out on that, that physical exertion with each other. So when we can come together and we can train and work out, and whether we wrestle or we do jujitsu or we do martial arts together or we, we go on hikes, whatever it is, when we get that energy out together with each other, when we can push ourselves, then we're actually coming back more relaxed. And, and then we're not pounding in sex on our partner because we, we're using that as an as a outlet to just release our energy. And most men are doing that unconsciously. Like when we have conscious outlets for our energetic release, then when we come to our partner, I'm not expecting her again to hold another role. And so yeah. brotherhood is that level of support that then can allow me to come home knowing that I have my brothers out there 
who can hold me, who can support me. And then I can bring that level of support and love and nurturance to my partner. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think that it used to feel like men were paying for other friends if they were going to join a men's group. And so there was this opposition to it. Um, but I think it's starting to get almost like the cool thing to do. And so, and I don't mind that. Like if it's, if it's becoming trendy, like be mm-hmm. trendy, it's healing, you know? Um, and, and it's, I'm almost seeing more men's groups and men's retreats and men's work than I am women's now. Really? Yeah. At least from, from what I've, um, follow and from what I've seen in, in Austin, but I, I do feel like women's, you know, they started it early and it became this invitation and this permission slip, but now it seems like men are really like taking on to it. And so it's been such a blessing. And, you know, I know I'm asking a lot of question of questions about men and it feels almost unfair, but if I were interviewing Maddie Moon, I'd be asking these questions about women. Yeah. Obviously you work with men. So, um, so that's why I'm gearing, you know, directing them at men. Um, but I'd love to hear about how the scarcity mindset um, affects men, not just in committing, but just in life. Yeah, that's a deep one. To me, the scarcity mindset is deeply related to the mystery and the darkness. Hmm. And I feel that a lot of men feel threatened in these realms. Because the way that I see it, we are the protector. We're the providers. So if I can't provide, that's a a huge smash and cut down to my masculinity. If I can't provide monetary, if I can't provide sexually, if I can't provide emotionally, all these realms, then that is a slash my masculinity rather than recognizing but that's the invitation from life because again, I'm I'm alive. Yeah, it's a so the king. Yeah, this the scarcity mindset is just denying the fact that life is flowing through me, which anytime I am working with a man and remind him, hey, if you're in scarcity, if you're in fear, like put the, your hand on your heart and feel that heartbeat. You're alive. So right there, that's always the anchor I tell men. Come back to that, breathe. What can you do right now? Like there's always this moment. We have only this moment and then this moment and this moment. So we have to be here to respond. And again, scarcity is going to show up. If, if a man has scarcity in relationship to sexuality and the feminine, he'll take whatever he can get. He's not going to have standards. He's not going to say, hey, this is what I really desire, as we were talking about desires earlier. He's just going to sleep around or go wherever he can, even if it's not true to him. And if he doesn't want to, he will engage in sex because it's like, I don't know where I'm going to get it. So he'll engage. If a man has scarcity in a relationship, he may stay in a relationship longer than he needs to because he's afraid that he won't find someone else again. If a man has scarcity and money, he's probably going to be really tight and constricted and not really welcome in what he truly desires or show up and protect and provide what he wants to. And so, again, it's coming back to the power. It's coming back to the mystery. It's coming back to his ability to connect to the space and say, do I trust in myself to provide? Do I trust in my sovereignty and my king to show up? And if I don't, well, then I better get on the training board 
and say, what do I need to develop? How do I need to increase my capacity to give and provide for life? Because ultimately, scarcity just comes from a lack of trust and lack of self-worth. Because if I know that I can provide value, I'm going to be supported. And so it's not coming from a place of I have to give and produce to be valuable. I am valuable. How do I give that? I am worthy, so how do I give? And it's deeply connected to those pieces of self-worthiness and value and just inherent value. So when a man can really come home to recognizing that he is worthy and he is valuable just in his existence, then, then I give, then I show up. And so it's, it is, it is a deep one. I've experienced a lot of that with a lot of men and how it shows up in so many different ways. And when we really come home to ourselves, it shifts everything because there's a whole world out there that's waiting for us. Not waiting for us to get stuck behind healing and going over and over and over. It's like, no, actually, we're waiting for you to participate and engage fully with life. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that it ties into earth care as well because if we're living in abundance, we're we're definitely focused on caring for the earth and caring for others. So I'd love to hear about how you're bridging that men's work with earth care. Yeah. Because I've been in this realm for a while, I've been doing men's work since 2012, like intentionally, and hosting circles and moon retreats and working on Sacred Sons and other organizations. Like I said, there's the world beyond the pain. There's a world beyond these challenges. So what are we creating? Like I said, I do, I'm a regenerative real estate developer. So I set up these regenerative communities. So how are we looking at everything that we do from food production to water to energy to how we build our homes to what we use and the wi-fi and the electrical magnetic radiation and all these frequencies like how are we relating to our governance structures and like really starting to apply and engage back in life because i feel that men have really stepped into this societal projection of the beta male of men who are hyper-emotional, men who have become weak or fat, and like this story that society is saying is that is what we need to do. And then when a man is strong, a man can provide, a man is like stepping into leadership, like that's almost frowned upon on like a collective level and like in, in the like Hollywood and different things like that. And so helping men step back into, for lack of better words, that alpha energy, which is just simply revering the earth, honoring the feminine, providing for one's family, providing for their children, being emotionally available, being present, being strong in the body, and being able to protect our children and our families and our women and like the communities because largely as we're witnessing in the world with what's going on, people are just being told what to do blindly and most people are bending over and taking it. Mm-hmm. But when we're told to do things that aren't good for our health, and we're told to basically become sterile humans, yeah, and not honor the health of our bodies, not honor the health of Earth, and when we actually what we need is sunlight and community and connection mm-hmm. and good food and good water, but they're like, take these pills, take these vaccinations, eat this nutrient deficient food, and be part of this like global forgetting in a sense like. We actually need men to stand back up. 
protect the earth and protect the feminine in us, protect the women around us, protect Mm -hmm. the children and say, hey, we actually need to protect our communities because that's what's needed. We don't need to, yes, we need to feel our emotions. That's just a part of being human. Mm -hmm. We need to come back into being the men that are protecting and providing that safe space so we can listen to the women around us Mm-hmm. before everyone is silenced before everyone is not capable of like tuning in because there's so many other things that are speaking or over us and, and not letting us be there so that's like the big piece so how i'm doing that is is helping men come back to the earth helping men train their bodies and get physically fit helping men get connected back to food helping men really step back into their own sovereignty whether it's financial, whether it's food, whether it's sexual, whether it's in relation, whether it's emotional, whether it's health, like all of these realms, helping them come into those levels. So that way we go back and we increase the web of men who are standing in that sovereign embodiment. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you tied earth care into what we're putting in our bodies because it's just an extension of, of both. So yeah. beautiful. So there's a few short questions that I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? I would hug him and tell him to listen to the weirdness and the eccentric pieces with inside of him and to follow that heart and to follow that joy. Mm, So beautiful. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? It's a tie. I really like A Language Older Than Words by Derek Jensen because Mm. it's talking about like what we're talking about nature. Like there's a language beyond our words that all life is connected to. Mm. Um, The Tao Te Ching because that book really changed my life and The Four Agreements because that has really helped me to to be at ease. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I read The Four Agreements probably over a decade ago. I need to revisit it. Just, I mean, it's easy to memorize the four, but just to have a refresher on it. Okay, if you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Be all that you are. You're so loved. You're so supported. You're provided for. Keep going. Mm. Really good. All right. How can people connect with you and work with you and all that good stuff all that good stuff people can find me on Instagram I am rebranding and going through so my website is under construction right now so Instagram is the easiest way right now and I do one-on-one and group coaching programs with men I have recently been stepping into this new offering called crypto polarity and regenerative wealth and really helping people and I've been working with a large portion of women and it's bringing in the polarity and masculine feminine dynamics and how that's related to crypto and money and just how that relates to our life. And so that's been really beautiful. And I'm also a private chef. So you can find about all of that on Instagram. And I also have a regenerative community project that's happening down here in Tulum and it's 40 acres and we're building a whole beautiful thing. So that's something that's in the very beginning stages. So if that's also something that interests anyone who's listening, please reach out because we're in the initial stages and doing a pre-pre-sale. So if people 
want to learn more, I'm here. And ultimately, I'm just here. So yeah, find me on Instagram. And I'm here to support our collective humanity in whatever way I can. Beautiful. Uh, I have two good friends that are in Maui. Um, well, that have a place in Maui. So they're back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the woman, it's a couple, the woman is um, basically in sustainability and regenerative agriculture. So a great connection for you there. But um, last time we were there, we had a chef come. Her name was Angel, but maybe next oh, time. We'll Angel. Yeah. So Angel's a dear friend. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, she was she was awesome. But um, they just bought so they home there, but they just bought land. So they really, really want to develop a relationship with that land. So I'm sure yeah. you'd be a great connection there. And then, of course, for the next time we have a dinner party, we could Please. chef yes. for us. And, All of that. I would love yeah, to. so I'll connect yeah. you guys. And I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, you know, and, and, and just for the medicine that you are simply as your being, just your being is medicine. And, and, um, you know, just in this conversation alone, the way that I felt understood and seen and held by your masculine energy, it's something I can't give to myself. Just like, Mm -hmm. just like a man can't get from me what he gets in brotherhood the way that a masculine can hold space and, and make me feel accepted and seen and, and valued is something I, I, I can touch on in, in my practice, but it's not something I can receive like I just did from you. And it, it was very, very healing. So I want to thank you for that medicine and for the work that you're doing to teach other men how to be that type of medicine. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. You deserve it all. And thanks for having me on here and the opportunity to share with others and for everything that you're doing. I, I love how you're sharing and supporting so many people. So mm-hmm. thanks for doing that and for the opportunity to be here and to connect. So thank you. It's an honor. <laughs> thank you. Oh, hmm. Even though this uh, conversation was mostly about men. I know that it was very healing for both men and women. So uh, I hope that you felt that. Um, Men, I hope that you felt um, a stirring inside you and uh, an awakening of so much more that you're capable of in your own life and in your relationship. And, and, And I hope you feel an excitement about that and not an overwhelm. And women, I hope that you feel so seen and so held And I hope you felt some of the healing that I felt in that conversation. I want to thank our affiliates. As always, the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets you 15% off. My favorite is the suction toy. It's called AIR, A-E-R. It's an arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. And it basically just like sucks on the clip and it is freaking amazing. I like to use it while I have my pleasure wand or my yoni egg inside me. And I get that from wands.com, W-A-A-N-D-S.com, code Jade for a discount. They just came out with one that has a beautiful purple flower in it and I really, really want it. All right. And then we have CBDdirecthemp.com, all things CBD, direct hemp com and code jade for a discount there as well and then higher dose infrared products i love my bioenergy mat and my sauna blanket and my infrared mask you get 75 dollars off with jade 75 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much if you would leave a review or share an episode with a friend. You can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.